0: Good Thursday morning, everyone. Doug Farrar, the editor of Touchdown Water on the USA Today Sports Media Group Network, along with Mark Schofield, our five-tool guy, as always. And Mark, how many articles have you written this week? Like, 20- I don't 20? know. It's been a lot. It's a been lot. a lot, but but it's fun. Like I, like I always say, Doug, it beats working for a living. Yes, it does. It certainly does. Uh so by weeks this week, we're getting into week six preview matchup podcast. Falcons, Saints, Jets, and 49ers are off. Um, I do want to mention real quick that Matt Ryan, when I watched <laughs> I, I got to watch tape with Matt Ryan right before the season, and then the Monday before Kyle Pitts finally went off. And the second time I it's funny, the first time I watched tape with Ryan, he was like, uh, oh, Kyle Pitts, he's you know, he's getting there. And I asked him about the Julio routes and he said, well, Ryan. not yet. You know, we get, let's get the first thing down. And clearly against the jets, Kyle Pitts had the first, the second, and the third thing down because he was running the Julio routes. And it was like, Oh, okay. And the second time I, it was like 10 of the 15 minutes we went up talking about Kyle Pitts, and Ryan was saying, yeah, he's on the verge. He's this is, this is going to be good. Yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting. And, um, and then the 49ers are off, but I wanted to touch on your, the piece you wrote this week on Trey Lance uh, first start with Garoppolo out. We kind of don't know where that is, but what did you see from Trey Lance? And if you were Kyle Shanahan, is this just the way you go now?
1: I mean, I think a, if, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, this is the way I go now. Um, you know, i done a couple of shows this week, did a 49er show with Kyle Madsen who runs Niners Wire Um, And he asked, look, you know, would you sacrifice a potential playoff run with Jimmy Garoppolo for Trey Lance's development? And I said, absolutely, I would. Because, A, I'm not so sure that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the key, the glue for that kind of playoff run anyway. (laughs) And I think you could potentially make that. I said you could potentially make that kind of playoff run with with Trey Lance. And so, you know, I, I think that's one way to look at it. But the other is. That's like saying, would you sacrifice a playoff run with Jared Goff? Right. For, you know, not for a chance, Whoever. you know, yeah. Matthew Stafford. So, but I, I think you roll forward with Lance. I do think that there's a feeling L process that has to take place between Shanahan and Lance from a play calling perspective. Watching that game, and Matt Waldman had DM'd me like late Sunday or early Monday morning because he keeps vampire hours. And it was like, is it me or did they just run a bunch of stuff? Lance isn't ready to run and you watch that game and it's almost like they drafted Lance to replace Garoppolo, but then they asked him at times to be Garoppolo a lot of like time and routes, ISO routes, things like that, that, you know, maybe a quarterback that's got more experience can, can run better than Trey Lance right now. Now he still hit on some of those. He had the backside ISO X stop, uh, to Ayuk on a third and three situation, which is a perfect throw. But there's also moments where he has to get faster. You know, the interception that he threw on their open drive I thought was a great design, back to the defense, play action, type of stuff he was running at NDSU. He has Benjamin on the curl. He just has to anticipate. Like, he waits, he looks at it, doesn't like it, starts to climb the pocket, then thinks, oh, wait, this is actually open now, and then misses the throw. And and that's the thing that he's got to get better at. He's got to get better at sort of getting ready and throwing when he needs to to take advantage of situations in the NFL. They had a third down miss. He got a zero blitz. Look, he had the in cut to Ayuk. This was in, I think the third or fourth quarter on the right side, out of the slot and the eyes and the feet and everything set up to throw it. And he makes the right decision, but it's like a half second too late. Like he's got to speed up that half second thing. And the thing with Lance is he might right now think like similar to Josh Allen, when he was a rookie and even when Allen was, was in his second year, my arm can make up the difference. Sometimes it
0: might, sometimes it might not. I was like, going to, because I didn't get a chance to watch Lance because I knew you were going to, yeah. <laughs> and I was watching other stuff. What I've seen of Lance so far in his NFL career, he reminds me a lot of Kaepernick in that yeah. every, every everything's a fastball. Everything yeah. is heat right down the middle. Is, he, is, is that still kind of the way it is?
1: Yeah, that's still kind of the way it is. I mean, the throw he had to Sanu on that third at 11 that Sanu dropped, it was a great read, and he threw that thing like a 98-mile-an-hour heater. Like, everything's a fastball right now. It's why, you know, there are a lot of parallels between him and, and Josh Allen. My Josh Allen comp was Nuke Lelouch. Like, everything was a fastball. He has to learn to throw a changeup. has to learn to take something off. has to learn to – for some touch and feel on throws. And I, I think it's similar with Lance. And it, if you remember the interception he threw against the Chargers in the preseason, right, he sort of hesitates on it like triple clutches almost yeah. and then thinks – I got to yam this thing in there, and the mechanics just go wildly off. And the mechanics are an issue right now. Like, I think he can get them cleaned up, but right now it's wild in the lower body. It's a bit loose in the upper body. I think he could improve it over time. But yeah, there's things he has to clean up. At the same time, the raw talent, the athleticism, the velocity, and all of that stuff is there. He made some incredible throws in that game. And so, if you're a Niners fan, there's a lot to like, there's stuff to improve. It's a rookie making the leap from the FCS to the NFL at his first start. Like, I think it was
0: largely a positive through that lens. I think you've got, yeah, it's, it's medium floor, high ceiling with Lance with Garoppolo. It's just, I've said this over and over high floor, low ceiling, and he keeps bumping his head on it. it, Yeah. That's just what it's going to be. He's going to miss stuff all over the place for different reasons. And it's, it's more career defining reasons than with Lance. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: And, 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 you know, there, there's no point, especially if you're going to keep Lance on the shelf, you've burned a year of that rookie deal. And we yes. know the economics of the NFL right now. You got to start the developmental clock to take advantage. Because let's say, you know, you don't play in the rest of this year, then it's year two, then you're mm-hmm. into year three, and, you know, you got to get rolling on it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thursday night football, Buccaneers at Eagles, Brady against the Dolphins last <laughs> week 30 of 41 for 411 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. He went, uh, offensive player of the week, which I think literally is 30th time. They um, might
1: rename that thing after. I him. think
0: he has a future in this business. I think he's going to be okay. Yeah. It's uh, funny seeing
1: all the like Twitter memes about like the future of the quarterback position, and it's got Herbert, Lamar, you know, Kylo Murray and Tom
0: Brady and it's like the future of the quarterback position looks great. He's only 44. I mean, come on. Yeah. He could play till 50. By the way, he's now seven touchdowns away from throwing more touchdown passes in his 40s than he did in his 20s. I've been Observe. watching this. It's just it, it's Observe. even for him is like, "Oh my god." Uh, the 61-yard th- I did a whole post on this. The 61-yard touchdown pass to Antonio Brown was one of the better throws I've ever seen him make. And it wasn't a long it wasn't a deep throw. No. Not every amazing throw is, you know, uh, haymaker 60 yards downfield. And I know I know you know which throw I'm talking about. Where uh Brown took Xavier and Howard on the crosser, but Brady had pressure up his, you know, right up the A gaps. Yep, the kryptonite. Yep. And <clears throat> he had trash in the middle of the field. He had he had to wait for Brown to clear that. And Howard was one of the top five cornerback, right on his right on Brown's ass. Brady throws this perfect ball to where only Antonio Brown could do it to Could catch it, and and Howard could not. And the timing, the rhythm, the anticipation—it's just there's next level, and there's three floors up, and that's where Brady's playing right now. Yeah, it's it's just he might be—I don't even know how to say this—he might be playing the best football of his career. He might be. Or what the hell? I I I I don't don't know. know how that's possible.
1: I don't know. I mean, that throw was great. One of the touchdowns to Evans where they have motion, they trail it. He's thinking it's man. They spin it to zone. He throws the safety splitter, puts it on him, you know, spit and turn. But yeah, the, the, crosser to Brown, cause he took a shot on that play. Like yeah. he had a guy, you know, free run at him right through the a gap. He hangs in there, gets drilled, puts that absolutely on the spot time and rhythm and anticipation and you know, the anticipation for Brady has always been huge, but you're seeing it now in this offense, his second year in this offense. And we were telling people before the this, before this season, Doug, he's healthy. He's his second year in this offense. Everybody's on the same page. Play Watch action out. motion.
0: They finally yeah. figured it out. It's going to be we both said it's going to be better. Here we yeah. are. And here we are. So Eagles awesome defensive front versus Tampa Bay's outstanding offensive line. That's a great battle, probably an epic push. So this yeah. game to me is really about Brady and his receivers versus Philly's secondary. Darius Slay is playing really well. I mean, with Slay, he's one of those like whoa, wavy boomer bust guys. But right now he's playing really well. Had a great pick in bail on Sam Darnold, and we'll get to that whole thing later. Um the Panthers might offensive line themselves right out of the playoffs. Yeah. That's going. Um, let's see. Avante Maddox is okay. Steven Nelson, former Steeler playing really well. They had to let him go because of cap. He's doing, you know, the safeties are decent. If it turns into a shootout. Uh, I, on the other side, and we ended Jalen hurts. I know you do the um the qb factory reboot and by the way i agree completely with your home alone take but yeah that's it's like it's like redoing gilligan's island i guess i I understand that like the the,
1: the premise of it if it's like so it's kind of like a it's not really so much a remake but it's like a continuation because i guess kevin McAllister is in it like but still like i I don't see how you could do that movie in
0: this day and age i don't don't get it it. no so uh jalen hurts against that defense Shurm played much better in his second week back in the NFL, but you you kind of figured they, and he talked this week as we uh, supposed on last week's podcast. Yeah, I'm getting the checks. I'm getting the specific coverages and it's about more than, oh, he's just a good cover too. It's well, what kind of cover too? So uh, I think it's I think Jamel Dean might be the outside corner, the other outside corner in this game. <clears throat> Dean has allowed eight catches on 18 targets for 96 yards, 39 yards after the catch, one touchdown, one interception, and an opponent pass rating of 56.7. Sure, last week against the Dolphins, two catches a on four targets for five yards, one yard after the catch. Opponent pass rating of 56.3. Uh, <clears throat> no wind concussion, continuation. That's a problem. Uh, the Eagles don't run the ball, but they weren't going to do that anyway against the Bucks because Vita Vea is built like a strip mall and he runs like a 4-5-40, so X yep. that out. Uh, Jalen Hurts against the Panthers. 551 left. This is just my notes from watching him. 551 left in the game. He had a deep post wide open on a switch release. I think it was Rager, um, but he let Davion Nixon flush him out of the pocket early, cut the reads in half, threw the ball away. If he stays in the pocket and makes the anticipation throw, that's a 40-yard play or a touchdown. Yep. Next play, he wobbles out of the pocket to his left and makes an off-balance throw to Gainwell that hit the ground 5 yards short, and he wasn't even looking at his target. And it wasn't like he had five guys ready to kill him. He just sort of went, Wah. and so, you know, the throw to Goddard. There were a couple other throws. I know you talked about this on on, um, on your podcast with uh, Rochelle. I, I, I don't – I still don't know what to think. And he's he's on pace to set all these yardage records, and that's great, and probably more QB runs in this game. But I just, with Hurts, I just, I don't know. I can't really put my finger on, is it upticking? Is it not? Because it seems like from play to play, it's his, his game right now is just really random.
1: It is really random, and it's weird. Like, the offense, I, I think they're trying to figure out an offensive identity. They haven't quite figured out what they want to be yet. But I do think that. Hertz looks at his best out of empty using tempo and throwing downfield. And they get into that either when they're trailing or in the second half of games, but they start out with this more West coast influenced quick strike offense, hmm. you know, some condensed formation, some design throws to backs and, you know, screen type stuff. And when you That's can't really, run out
0: of that, it reduces what you
1: yeah. can do because the defense knows. And what was interesting about that game against Carolina, like they had a lot of RPO stuff called. Mm-hmm. Carolina did a very good job. Muddy in the front, muddy in the looks, muddy in the box count. So Hertz was in a position where they they wanted him to th- pull and throw. They wanted him to pull and throw. And now he's trying to throw slant routes from condensed splits into traffic. That's tough to complete, but they look much better. He looks much more comfortable when it's spread stuff, when it's vertical stuff, when they're using some tempo. So I think they need to get to that. You watch the second half of this game. He's a much better quarterback, even with some of those mistakes that he was in the first half. So I, I think that's part of the issue with Hertz, but he, he, he's struggling with that balance. We often see with young athletic quarterbacks with, my plan B has to be the second read and the third read, not I'm going to run around and make something happen. Because like you said, he bails, cuts the field in half, and now you're missing opportunities. You could do that from time to time, but you got to pick your spots with it. And right now, he's missing on big plays from the pocket
0: by getting himself outside of it. Well, the best mobile quarterbacks – and it's, it's a lot more nuanced than, oh, he's in the pocket or he's out of the pocket. It's when you leave, and it's how you leave, and it's what you do after you leave. It's
1: when you leave, it's how you leave, and it's your intentions when you leave. If you leave primarily to run, that's going to be a problem. Like the beauty of Lamar, and this even dates back to his days at Louisville, when he would leave, it was leaving to try to find an outlet downfield to throw to. And that's like the fine line that that hurts, I think, is struggling with right now. Even guys like Burroughs, not, you know, the world's greatest athlete at LSU and even now at Cincinnati, he'll leave. But it's eyes downfield. I'm trying to make you throw in the scramble drill. It's not I'm trying to create with my legs.
0: Well, he was mobile and in LSU, I would say, in kind of an Andrew Luck sense. Where Yeah. You know, yeah. Was it Was not a super he'd roll athlete, out? And of, truck your ass once in a while if it was a, a cornerback or something and he can be effective that way um Russell Wilson was doing that at Wisconsin get out of the pocket at the right time square your shoulders boom um yeah with Hertz uh, you know he drops his eyes he when and when he runs it's not necessarily to run or throw there's like this panic mode that goes off in his head yeah and I don't know if there's a plan when he leaves the pocket and that's a problem yeah uh anyway so that's just my thoughts on that uh very interesting game. Buccaneers had the best injury luck last season. That has certainly turned. Yep. Dolphins at Jaguars, another London game. We West Coasters just love these. 6:30 in the morning. Woo-hoo. <laughs>
1: yeah. 6:30 in the morning for Dolphins Jags in London.
0: You know who might unironically love this game is Tua, who looks, I guess he's ready to return. Yep. Um, <clears throat> this season, the Jaguars lead the league in passing touchdowns allowed in man coverage, and none of those plays had 10 or more air yards. So we're talking red zone breakdowns. 2-0 when healthy was struggling at times in the timing of the offense, especially when pressured. And it's not like the offense had a, has a great identity now anyway. So, you know, maybe that helps. Uh, so it's up to the defense, which didn't look great against Brady, but that's Brady. Um, however, it's been completely lost in the Urban Meyer mess. And I went back and watched Lawrence his, his previous game. Uh, because he looked great against the Bengals. He continues to play at very high level in and out of the pocket, had some great throws downfield against pressure. He had an intermediate throw to LaVisca Chenault, who should be, you know, maybe used more. Yeah. Chenault broke about five tackles. The Jaguars couldn't stop Derrick Henry, but that's, you know, comes as no surprise. Um, you know, if the Dolphins are still reeling from that Brady X uh, thing, Lawrence can light him up. Lawrence is playing, and we're not talking about it because you know we got, you know we got two coaching disasters. Great, uh, but Lawrence is playing incredibly well with limited yep. route concepts, a, a below-average offensive line, and a running game where we're going to use our really good guy. We're going to not use him. We don't know what the hell we're doing. But Lawrence just transcended all that. I'm very impressed. I'm
1: extremely impressed with Lawrence. I mean, I I know there's been after like the first couple of games, there was a little bit of angst in Jacksonville about, is he the guy? He's the guy like, don't, Oh, don't worry about Trevor Lawrence like at all. And, you know, you think back to that game against the Bengals, some of the throws he made last week against Tennessee, some of the reads he's doing some of the stuff, his ability to like rule in and out stuff pre-snap has been very impressive to me. So I'm not worried about Lawrence at all. And I think you're right. Like, That Dolphins defense is not, I know it was Brady last week, but it, it hasn't been as advertised. I mean, the Dolphins right now, you know, and I know they had the Tua injury. They seem like one of the more disappointing teams in the league because we all thought, I thought that they were going to be legit. Like they were going to be great on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe Tua takes a step forward. So they'll be better on the offensive side of the ball that hasn't come to fruition.
0: And I think if you base a lot of your defense on exotic blitz packages out of zero and other things, and your coverage is, it falls short at all, yeah, you're going to have a regression. Yeah. That's kind of what it looks like. You yeah. think you're playing more zone this year because they have to. And it's like the Patriots last year, they played more zone when they had to. And it's like, that's never really a good sign. Yeah, yeah. And so and I, mean, I think that's your defenses seeing. play what they want because they want to, not because they are like, oh shit, we have to play right because you know, whatever. yeah Um yeah. Packers at Bears. <clears throat> the Packers are I i watched Packers Bengals and I I mean I, we'll talk about this in a minute. Shadowby Awuzier, good lord. Um when well, was the last time you said this guy got a lot better when he went to the Bengals, but I know it's it's go. rare. <laughs> Uh, the Packers are absolutely checking their calls based on safety rotation and movement. Uh, my my sense is if you sat Aaron Rodgers down, you would say, yeah, they send me onto the field with two or three checks. And based on safety rotation, if it's too high, I X Devontae out. Everyone else gets the ball or we run. The moment they spend a single high, it's Devontae time. Usually it would be, except when Owuzia was on him and that was, you know uh it, yeah team spin too high it's short pass or run if they swing to single high the explosive play is coming uh we've talked a lot about how aaron Rodgers has a real problem with too high and that bore out once again against the bengals uh Ruzier tied up Devonte adams coverage was face up from the first step that's how the Packers going to do a dysfunctional battle of field goals with the bengals uh the bears i mean Tayshon gibson is opportunistic if erratic and eddie jackson is pretty much sadly done so i don't know how that's going to work um yeah too deep the bears have allowed 26 completions and 47 attempts for 345 yards, two touchdowns and three interceptions and playing too deep um single high they've just been getting torched so uh whoever you put out there i'd run a lot of too deep yeah because yeah. that's you know your, your option b is not good Right, option B is
1: not good in that situation. I mean, I'm obviously, look, I'm going to be very curious to see how Justin Fields handles this game. I mean, I, I've been very impressed with him. You know, the Lions game, I know he didn't put up huge numbers against the Raiders, but he had some throws and reads late in that game, like the third down conversion and others where it's clicking for him. And this it, with the deeper stuff downfield, it's clicking for him. And So, you know, I'm very excited to see Fields in his first Packers-Bears
0: game. Did you see against the Raiders? Did you see the same level of complexity in the route concepts that you did against the lands? Cause I didn't.
1: Yeah. I, I a lot
0: more boundary vert. Stop, stop, stop. And I'm thinking Matt Nagy stopped binge watching scenes from a marriage. He put down his donuts. He put down his coffee. And you decided it. I'm going to call this stuff again, which I, read. yeah.
1: I mean, there was that element to it. I mean, it, I'd like it to be a bit more complex like it was against the lions, but fields made the most of it. And look, road wins in the NFL, you know,
0: you know, yeah. never easy there's there's just there's now a thing where okay it's nagy it's laser it's nagy it's laser and you kind yeah. of know. and that's yeah. you know not good not good uh yeah fewer crossers are nrpo options more iso stuff to the boundary easily covered short stuff mm-hmm. underneath uh yikes the aforementioned bengals at the aforementioned lions two things can be true first true w adouzi had an absolutely marvelous game against avante adams shut him down when it was one-on-one and Adams was pressed. Um, he turned him around a couple times because he's Devonte Adams and he'll do that. Um, second, the Bengals are still showing a lot of coverage busts. So was part of two of them. There was the intermediate in route in which Wuzia was supposed to hand Adams off to somebody on his side, but the safety went up on Lazard on the deep fade and Awuzie handed him off to nobody in the middle of the field. Yeah, <laughs> Devontae is like, oh, give me the ball. I have a cow pasture around me. Right, And there was a scissors concept. The call was just wrong. So there's still issues in Lou Amarillo's defense, but that's a guy to watch. And Awuzie, by the way, on uh, when it defending passes of 20 or more air yards, 0 for 4, 1 interception. That good? That's pretty good, Doug. That's good. So the Bengals, you have studs at the most important positions. Your quarterback, Joe Burrow. You're a WR1 is Jamar Chase. You have Jonah Williams at left tackle. You have Rouzier as your shutdown corner. Uh, Trey Hendrickson has exceeded my expectations as a pass rusher. They have Jesse Bates at safety. They've got the blocks, you know? They've got, they, they, we can talk about the Bengals and the AV (laughs) projector, uh, which I
1: love that the social media teams lean it into that. I love they just tweeted a graphic with a lion and a Bengal to promo this game and faded in the background is the car. And
0: I thought it was great. I thought it was absolutely great. If you can't laugh at yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's the way it goes. So, you know, good news for the Bengals. Probably I mean, all the Lions, you know, I, I've been saying this all along. They're going to go 4-13, and and every team that plays them is going to go, God damn, they were a tough out. I do not want to play with those people again. And Dan Campbell uh, really getting emotional after that Vikings game. I think that's the kind of guy you just buy in for. Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I talk a lot about how, you know, like leadership styles, right? I, I know I talked about it with Burrow when – he got to the podium after the week one win over Minnesota after Jamar chase. And he said the thing about, I thought that guy was dropping everything in in practice. Like, you know, there's different ways to be a leader and Campbell has got that team to buy in. Mm -hmm. Like you can't tell me if you're a a Detroit lions player, you see your coach at the podium like that after a heartbreaking loss. And you're like, Oh man, I don't like that guy. No, you're, you're buying in on what he's done. And sooner or later, they're going to win one of these close games. I mean, Sooner or later, it's going to come together for them. Have you watched though? I, I wanted to ask you about the Bengals' offense. Mm-hmm. Like, have you watched that? And what are your thoughts on what they're doing, just conceptually? Forget the the way that Burrow is making plays and stuff.
0: Uh, can, I haven't really watched it as as. In it. I'll put it on my. Uh, we'll we'll discuss this next week. I'll I'll make an effort to put more into that specifically. I kind of have specific things I have to watch for when I'm writing, and you know, right? And, you know, uh, I because I mean. I haven't watched general, it. I haven't watched it that deeply, and I'm not going to fake it and say I know. So right.
1: Yeah. I mean, my general impression of it, I, I talked to, I was on an Ollie Connelly show this this week, and, and we talked about it. Seth Kalita wrote a piece about it. it it's almost Rogers esque at the end of the Mike McCarthy era, where they're just basically saying, We're going to call this basic stuff static stuff, static, empty formations, and Burrow will figure it out. Ugh. Burrow will figure I don't it like out.
0: That. No, I mean,
1: and and Seth and his piece over PFF said they basically have to change this or they're not going to have a good year. I mean, they're three and two right now, but the offense is too static, too bland, too reliant upon Joe Burrow to create after the initial route concept isn't there, which he can do, but that's no, that's you don't build the plan out of that.
0: Well, he can do it, but you might want to give him some.
1: Yeah. So, I mean that that's kind of where I'm at with it.
0: So, I was curious your thoughts. So, yeah, when you watch it, like. Oh, no, when I, when I watch – you know this. When I watch offenses like that, I start screaming and yelling yep. and saying oh, yeah. bad words, so I would have certainly – okay, well, I yep. am yeah. oh, boy. There you go. uh You know who did get help? Like, way more than I expected was Davis Mills. I, I, you could have got said, some, uh, You could got have some said a hundred different John things going to week five are going to happen, and Davis Mills blowing up the Patriots after he got absolutely vivisected by the Bills – would not have been in my top 100, 1,000, But that's exactly what happened.
1: Vivisector. That's a great word.
0: Yeah. Uh, and by the way, this is a, we're going to talk about the Bills defense at the end of the pod for Monday night. Uh, you know, they haven't played anyone. And that was you know before the Chiefs. Right. They picked off Davis Mills four times and just demolished his ass. 11 of 21 for 87 yards, no touchdowns, four interceptions, pass rating of 23.4. You would have been like 15% more efficient had he just thrown the ball into section U the whole time, which you probably should have. And that's against the Bills. That might be your best plan against the Patriots, who put out a pretty decent defense on the field most of the time. 21 of 29 for 312 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, pass rating of 141.7. He is now the second rookie to put up three touchdowns against a Bill Belichick Patriots defense. The other guy is Russell Wilson. So that's pretty good. Uh, His touchdown pass to Anthony Auclair, the first touchdown, perfectly placed ball out of a clean pocket right over Kyle Duggar's head. I mean, he got like this window and he nailed it. Touchdown pass to Chris Moore was a great downfield 50-50 boundary catch where Moore went up and got it against J.C. Jackson. And that's one thing I noted watching the game live and then watching it again is he did not not run away from J.C. Jackson. He did not run away from Bully. That was really impressive. Um, And then there was a fourth and two late in the first half where Mills had to roll out of the pocket, make a stick throw to Chris Conley with coverage converging. Two guys on him and – Mills is rolling out on fourth and two. He can probably run for the first down, but he's like, no, F it. I'm doing it. And he did it. And I, especially as a rookie, not a highly regarded rookie, knowing, you know, I'm not comparing him to Herbert last year where Tyrod got punctured and then he had to start maybe before they wanted him to. I'm not saying he's that guy, but it's a similar, they didn't expect him to start. It was going to be Deshaun and then it was going to be Tyrod. And now it's this guy who the hell let's put him in there see what happens um based on either his college or previous pro tape nothing prepared me for this
1: yeah nothing prepared me for this either um you know there were some breakdowns i mean the fourth down play Juwan williams completely lost him in coverage and ended up getting benched as a result yeah the flea flicker play as well um but he made some good throws and he throws well on the move. He's one of those quote unquote sneaky athletic quarterbacks, which is a nice happy little cliche for somebody who looks like Davis Mills, but he moves well. Um, What what really sort of stood out to me was the way they called that game for him, that open and drive where it was like 10 minutes of punching New England in the mouth. And then you go to the play action play down near the goal line. It was just a perfect play call and he executed it perfectly, put that throw in the right spot. It was an impressive performance. It was one of those performances, I think, that you can build on off of for a young quarterback. Now, can he duplicate that? Like, like that's the bigger question. Like, is he going to be able to do that again this week? That I don't know. Even though, look, that team he's going up against is banged up. I mean, in the secondary, so he might have some opportunities to do it again. Maybe we'll we'll be here next week talking about Davis Mills yet again.
0: The Colts are well. Great defense is, you know, say it again, every week, they tie pressure to coverage. The Colts are not doing either thing very well. So, yeah, yeah I'm looking at the possession chart. Uh, the opening drive was 18 plays for 79 yards. Uh, time of possession, 10.06. In the second, yeah. where they had a 15-play, 83-yard drive, which ended in a field goal, and a 7.11. Uh, time of possession, yeah, that's... that's. But the, the concepts... And kind of understand Tim Kelly and, you know, the, the staff, it was the concepts and kind of understanding, okay, he can do these things. So let's, you know, help him do those. And yeah. I, I thought it was a great plan and yeah. you know, Hey, didn't expect it from this quarterback. Certainly not from this team. Certainly not against that opponent. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> uh, Rams at giants. I was at the Seahawks uh, Rams game. And against a defense that I don't even know what to say about anymore. Stafford missed, by my count, five passes of 20 more air yards to his left. He missed two the week before against the Cardinals. So the whole finger thing, and he got it taped during the game. That's not what's going on. Um, Stafford, historically, is not had a problem with this. I don't know if he's injured, but it's it's a problem. And it could be a problem against the Giants defense. It's pretty game. Now, I don't know why Joe Judges – I'm sure you saw the way Daniel Jones looked after the – the injury, where it was like Braveheart. I I, yeah. don't, I don't want that guy back on the field. And and I, there's so I think it was Ralph Falciano put up the the Joe Judge press conference where he's saying no, he's not out there. And the reporter had to point out no, Joey's out there in pads right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why are you doing this? Uh, I don't know. But uh, your impressions of Stafford with the deep ball because it it especially to his left it's a big problem. But just he's kind of spraying the ball right now.
1: A little bit. I I, I want to believe and until proven otherwise that it's the injury, that it's the finger situation. And I know he missed on some throws earlier. Maybe, you know, there is something going on right here, but he had some throws on in-breaking routes that, he was able to get velocity. He was able to dial that stuff up. And so. Well, yeah,
0: because every time they ran in break of the Seahawks went, oh, let's go to the parking lot. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, he had, I think it was one throw to Woods, a couple to cup that were just really impressive. Even though it had the deep shot to cup, the cup caught that he kind of underthrew that cup had to make the sliding catch. That play could have gone for more. So there's something up. I think it's more. I'm not as concerned. Like when we were having this conversation last year about Roethlisberger, it was like, yeah, this is a big red flag. This is a serious issue. Oh, I'm not
0: saying he's done. Yeah. No, I'm saying- not.
1: Yeah, I wasn't yeah. saying that. You were saying that, but I, I think it's more the finger. I'm. I'm. I want to believe. I'm inclined to believe it's the finger than anything I, else.
0: Yeah, something happened between week three and week four. First three weeks of the season on throws with twenty more air yards. He completed four of seven for 142 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions against the Cardinals and Seahawks. Two of seven for fifty-three, no touchdowns, one pick. Something yeah. happened in that space. Yeah. Now, I, didn't he
1: have the issue with that he hit his finger on, hit his hand on somebody's helmet in I the think, preseason? I think so. Like, I wonder if this was something that's kind of been lingering and it's now gotten exacerbated. And, and you know, when you're a quarterback, you get a,
0: you know, injury to the throwing hand, it can really impact you. And by the way, I don't know who's playing quarterback for the Giants this week, but the Rams have been giving up some explosive plays on, on in their past defense. Yeah, but teams.
1: I'm not sure if it's Michael Lennon, he'll be able to take advantage of it. If it's you know, Daniel Jones, maybe apparently Jones is gonna be he's
0: still in non-contact practice mode right now, so we'll see. <clears throat> and Jones, usually great beatball thrower. Yep. Um that was that was one of those things you see, and you're just like, oh man. Yeah, why do why do we why are we doing this? Yeah. Chiefs at Washington. Not that this has anything to do with this particular game because Washington can't cover anyone no matter what they do. But I did my deep dive into the Bills defense this week. I found this quote from Mahomes to be pretty interesting. He said this right after the game. Uh, we're seeing different defenses that we've seen in the past. Uh, that We read coverages and run routes to different spots. We're just not on the same page. I have to trust in these guys. that will figure out if it's me knowing what they're thinking and them knowing what I'm thinking. This reminds me of what I wrote a piece about option routes and Tom Brady years ago, and it was that Brady would say the same thing about his option routes. Um, Mahomes went on to say, "We recognize coverages as we run routes. That's what's made us so good over the past few years. Teams can have the right coverage called, we can run a route a certain way. The guys are seeing coverages differently than I am. They're different coverages. I don't think anyone has faced coverages like we faced over the last few games. And I thought, you know, go back to Super Bowl." Uh, the last Super Bowl where Todd Bowles flipped the script completely. He went too high in that game on 87% of their plays, the highest rate for a Bulls coach defense in the last five seasons. And they blitzed Mahomes on 9.6% of the dropbacks, the lowest rate by Bulls led defense over the last five seasons. Uh, Chargers Chiefs in week three, uh, Chargers 130 to 24. Chargers played 15 snaps of man coverage in that game. They have 30 snaps in man over their other four games. Bills played so much too high, they don't blitz at all. That did play the type when the Bulls play the Chiefs, but it seems as if the way teams are going after the Chiefs right now, and it's it's, I want to look more into it. It seems as if when you play the Chiefs, it's like everything you do, you do something else because one of the ways now to beat this team is to go against type. It it seems like, and with a three-game sample size, you can kind of say, well, maybe – Um, that this is what teams are doing against Mahomes, right? And by the way, teams are going to run two more too high against the Chiefs now because the Chiefs can't run out of it. I know they've been talking to you know Marlon Mack trade and Edwards Alera's on uh IR, I believe he's out for multiple weeks. Mahomes has been terrible against too high this year, and it's like with Rodgers, well, run them out of it. Chiefs can't do that, so not necessarily against Washington because uh, that defense is just uh, an aberration, it's horrible. But as the Chiefs go on, I mean, I don't know what Washington can do different. stuff like cover well. That would freak right. them out. Um, I mean, just what, what have you seen from defenses going against type against the Chiefs? Is that, I mean, is that something you observed?
1: Yeah, I mean, somewhat. I mean, this year, Seth Walder put out a plot this morning of coverages that all quarterbacks have faced, and by far the team that has faced the most cover two and man two are the Chiefs. Like by far, yep. teams are just staying in, in too high looks against them. Whether it's zone, whether it's you know two man, and they can't run them out of them. And you know, obviously, the the, the idea then is okay. Well, you call some cover two beaters. You still got to like execute them. You you still got to execute those concepts. Right now, they're they're not executing on those consistently. They're gonna have to find a way to like get teams out of those looks because when you then run, you know, they, they spun. Uh, the bills did, or the Eagles, the Eagles did, they showed to spun it to a single high, get a man route, touchdown, Tyree kill for 44 yards. Like that's what they could do when they get those single high looks right now, teams are just comfortable standing too high against them and playing the numbers.
0: And we go back to the 2020 season premiere where the Texans tried to run too high against them and you know, they ran for 8 million yards. Um, you also the Bills, and we'll get it, you know, their defense, they can stop the run on the light boxes. They have the best safety duo in the NFL. Yeah. Hello. <coughs> so I, you know, again, this is pissed off Patrick Mahomes against the second worst defense in the NFL. Yeah. Uh we kind of know how that's gonna go. Yeah. Uh Vikings at Panthers. I do not understand what the Panthers Panthers are doing with their offensive line and free agency was saying Cameron Irving and Pat Elfline. And I really don't understand what they did last Sunday. Against the Eagles, whose front is the best part of their entire roster, Irving's out with a neck thing. He may be back. So they moved Taylor Moton to to left tackle from right tackle. And they started Brady Christensen at right tackle. And Christensen, third-round rookie at a BYU, short arms, kind of barrel-framed guy, doesn't really turn the – I would have moved him to center. He reminded me of Mitch Morse, where I would have said, okay, smart guy, pretty astute in short areas – I don't want him trying to deal with, you know, whoever the Eagles have coming off your quarterback's blindside. Uh, Darnold was pressured on 24 of his 42 dropbacks, completing eight of 20 passes for 72 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. He's not a guy who's going to win under pressure. And here come the Vikings with Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Michael Pierce, all of whom can aggressively bring it to the quarterback, whether single or double teamed. Uh, so, you know, Irving could be back. I don't think it matters. Yeah, because uh, the ring's been kind of a, a sieve all year too. This is what I say that the pan—I mean—I don't know what's out there in trade. I don't know who they can build up somehow. But as I said, the Panthers with a great defense week to week, they might offensive line themselves right out of the playoffs. I don't know, but they this might. Was not, this was not good.
1: No, it wasn't good. It, it what made matters worst was, Donald wasn't playing well. I mean, he's not playing well under pressure right now. He had you know he got baited into this the first slant reception. He made a wrong read on the second slay interception, partly because he's getting pressured. And he didn't feel like he had time to get to the second read on that play. Well, the one slay got was wide. The play
0: was playing bail, and he kind of shortened it up to to fool him, and he took the bait.
1: Yeah, because it was go flat. He was split the difference between the two, um, and he did a really good job there. The one of a curl. Um, if Donald felt like he had time, he could have gotten to that second read because it was both run back design, and the other curl was open. So I, I think offensive line problems, a quarterback that's now feeling pressured, feeling like he can't make t- take the time to go through reads, that's never a good recipe. And Well, and Darnold is not a guy, right he's now.
0: not a guy whose mechanics are consistent either in or out of the pocket. He's right. kind of like Hurts where upper and lower body you never quite know from down to down. It could be great, it could be weird, you just don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, Chargers at Ravens. This marks the first meeting between two teams that are coming off wins in which they overcame 14-point deficits since week five of the 2018 season. Oakland Raiders at Los Angeles Chargers. Then Oakland Raiders. They probably wish they were back in Oakland right now. Uh yeah. we have two quarterbacks who are playing as well as any of the league. There's a reason Brandon Steele has no issue giving Justin Herbert free rate right on fourth down. He can see and do everything on the field. Uh, we know that Herbert has been playing well. And remember what we said in the podcast last week, like. Uh, we think Lamar's getting it as a passer at a different level. Well, yep. how'd yep. that go? You wrote a piece on Lamar yesterday. Uh, I think it went pretty well. The the touch, the game winning touchdown to, to Marquise Brown. I, I said on Twitter right after if Brady makes that throw, that late read pressured throw, we are talking about it all week. Because Lamar, it's gonna be like, Oh, that must have been an improvisation. No, 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 no. He was playing the hits, he was right yeah. on pace. It was really impressive. I actually. And this think, is not a one-week thing. It's it's no. Been...
1: It's been building. I actually think the one to Andrews. Yeah. The the at the end of regulation might have been even better because he opens left, comes right, looks left, looks right, finally finds him in the middle. Now look, that Colts defense was gassed by that point, like so he had time to do this, but the Lamar of 2019 probably runs in that situation. Mm-hmm. Lamar of 2020 maybe runs in that situation. This Lamar we're getting right now isn't running like, and honestly, look, you go back to his film at Louisville. He was always the guy that like moved in the pocket to find throws downfield like running was kind of a, a last resort for him. Then he relied on it a bit more as he was a younger quarterback in the NFL, but right now he's doing the stuff subtly in the pocket. He's fighting that urge to bail making throws, going through reads. And the most impressive part for me is now he's moving defenders with his eyes. Mm -hmm. This is something that Lamar was a bit iffy at, you know, in past couple of seasons. But the touchdown to Brown, that double move, the go, the vertical play, you know, the pump on it then brings the eyes to the middle of the field to hold that post safety, then flips him back to the right at the very end. He's moving like he had a throw against Denver where he pumped to Andrews on the outbreaker from a condensed split. Everybody bails and it creates space for the sit route over the middle to Brown. I mean, he's doing that kind of stuff now, which is that upper level quarterback play. And, you know, I, I I think that anticipation and manipulation are those two traits for a quarterback. That if you do that at a high level, you're going to be one of the elites. You know, we talked about the anticipation with Brady, manipulation with Brady. Lamar's doing that stuff now too.
0: And the thing about Lamar, he can fool you with his eyes. He got, because they're going to have some sort of spy to a greater or lesser degree on him on every play. Right. He can fool one guy with his eyes. He can fool another guy with his feet. Yeah. Foot fake and just like go uh, and the defender goes. Uh, I have to go this way and oh uh, crap, there's the throw.
1: Right. And and when you start thinking about how Brandon Staley is going to defend this offense, you know, Staley and, and all the talk about the too high stuff. I don't know if you want to stay in too high against Baltimore, you know, because they're going to do, we, we've talked about their run game and then the different run game looks that they use. So you might start bringing a guy down into the box, bringing one of those safeties down to help against the run. You start dedicating resources. Maybe you got a guy that's going to spy Lamar on third and six. That's, you're running out of numbers at that point. And that's going to open up some opportunities for Lamar to hit on stuff downfield. And if Bateman comes
0: back for this game, which I know is still a question mark, that's a lot to contend with. Well, you can't play man against Lamar because he's just going to run your ass off. Right. And you can't maybe play too high. I don't know that teams play too high against that effective a run game anyway. Um, right. I would do a lot of what the Bills did against Mahomes. You play, you play cover one, and you show him different kinds of cover one right it's like oh you like ice cream how do you like you know shoved on your throat big boy that's right
1: i mean you out. might see some of that one cross stuff where you're trying to take away those
0: crossers that he likes to throw to andrews um <laughs> the one rat guys- which i always think of cam chancellor in super bowl 48 were but, but. yeah <laughs> no crossers or like no crossers after the first quarter because the receivers were like eh, medic. right right that kind of thing yeah so it could be that but that's that's a very fascinating game uh Cardinals at Browns. <laughs> Here's a hellacious stat. Baker Mayfield lost his third career game as a starter in which his team scored 42 or more points. No other quarterback in NFL history has more than one such loss in their career and Baker's young. So the whole thing about the Browns game plan at the end, why did they get conservative? You know, and I, I started writing running for football outsiders in 2006. Through two, so I'm not an anti analytics guy by any means. The one thing that drives me nuts about analytical thought in football is that this or that idea or call or concept is always correct. Right. No matter the situation, no matter the opponent, you all should always do this or that thing because that's just the way it is. That That's not how football works, guys. It's Everything is situation dependent. So 12-18 left in the fourth quarter. Nick Chubb scores a 52-yard touchdown. The Browns are up 27-13. Chargers in go three straight touchdown drives, 11 plays, 75 yards, six plays, 75 yards, five plays, 48 yards. Brown's response was touchdown punt downs. Mayfield had four deep incompletions in the last four minutes of that game. It wasn't that they weren't getting the deep shots going. is that the deep shots weren't working. Here's the other thing. The Chargers rank 11th in pass defense DVOA, 31st in run defense DVOA. Only the Chiefs are worse against the run. The Browns carved the Chargers up in the run game. So when we talk about Oh Stefanski just you know put the sails down and decided to just sit there in the water, I don't think that was true. I think it was a case the you know the analytically might have, might say he made the wrong call all along. I say given the effectiveness of the run game, Mayfield is potentially great but erratic. That defense is potentially great but erratic. a lot of blown calls in that game. I yep. mean Herbert had help from uh, the Browns defense. Yep. I think. Yeah, the Browns this season in fourth quarter and overtime, 54 rushing attempts for 275 yards and four touchdowns. Only the Titans have more fourth quarter rushing yards and rushing attempts. No, the Bills, interestingly enough, have more rushing touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's mostly Josh Allen. Uh, so the past defense didn't know what to do late in man and match quarters. They got really eaten up in match. Uh, and now they have to deal with Kyler Murray that so we can get into that. But I don't necessarily think oh, my God, they didn't throw the ball on every down, so Stefanski was wrong. And I don't think that if the plan was to lead with the run game because that's the one thing you could trust, just because it didn't work also doesn't mean it was wrong. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think it's a process versus results kind of situation. And, you know, the, the numbers are a data point, but you also have to put into the context of the situation because this was a bad run defense, and your run de- your run game has been incredibly effective. On the afternoon, they did cause some passing plays. I mean, in in terms of, you know, some of the stuff that the Brown did at the end of the game, I look at that final drive and, you know, I have some issues with the final drive, um, but everything else I'm fine with, like they were running the ball. Well, this is a bad run defense. You've had success with it. In another game against another opponent, yeah, maybe you throw the ball a bit more in those situations. But on this day, I think the decisions they made were fine. The results didn't work out, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean it was necessarily a flawed process and decision-making standpoint.
0: Do you remember last year when the Raiders used Henry Ruggs as a decoy to get shots open for Duren Waller? I almost want – because I saw Baker pump to Odell a couple times and then go elsewhere. I wonder if they're using – a. a I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying that's what they're doing. It looks like I, 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 it looks I can't like figure Odell out. as a decoy because nothing else makes sense.
1: I can't figure out the when I see him Odell pumping today. to Odell
0: and then going somewhere else. And Odell is pretty much wide ass open.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I, what's going on here? I don't know. And even on the last
1: drive, he had him open on a crossover, working yes. left to right. Where he had him open on the Yeah,
0: yeah. I too. I
1: I don't know. I don't know if it's in one of the both of their heads right now. You had the fourth down drop where Baker made a great throw and Odell didn't make the catch, but that's a pretty expensive decoy. I mean, that's not a rookie receiver on his rookie contract, and so uh, you'd like to. I I mean, I know the stories are out there today. Now that they got to think about trading them, and maybe that's where this goes. But right now,
0: you, you they've got to figure this thing out between those two. So now they have the Cardinals to deal with, and last week against. Yeah, Uh, last Sunday, 27 snaps and 11 personnel, 17 snaps and 12 personnel, 11 snaps and 10 personnel, three snaps and 21 personnel. I think the whole Cliff static thing is right out the window. Uh, Still leads the league in 10 personnel because no one else runs it. And the the Bills are kind of going away from that. Uh, Cardinals offense, check. Cardinals defense, check. Um, I don't know what the health situation is for their cornerbacks. Um, It doesn't... I mean, are, there, are are the Browns in trouble?
1: Maybe. I mean, I, I think that they're going to have their hands full this week. I don't know if they're in trouble overall, but I think they're in trouble this week.
0: I want to look at, come on, Arizona's defense. So I'd read something to the effect of maybe Byron Murphy. Oh, yeah, Murphy's on the reserve cover. Oh, no, 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 that was last year. Never mind. Um, yep. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, yeah, that's and if they think they're going to have any better result, blowing coverage on man and match against Murray than they did, <laughs> that's a right. that Marie made. Oh my god! Yeah, that was just obscene. So I wanted, I I just wanted to get into the Stefanski thing because there's this automatic and immediate reaction you screwed up because blah 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 and you always are supposed to do this i don't think you ever are always supposed to do anything it, right it's it's your situation it's yeah yeah raiders at broncos yeah, nothing going on there no big cool. news um so i love how brandon stater looks at football But when you hear yeah. the chargers i've heard a couple people this week or the chargers are changing the game changing the way the game is played with their fourth down philosophy it's important to note the Chargers do not have the, the most fourth down conversions this season. Chargers have converted seven of eight fourth down attempts. The Broncos have converted eight of nine. Katie Bridgewater on fourth downs this season. Seven of eight for 93 yards, 53 yard air yards, two touchdowns, one interception. The only other quarterback with two touchdown passes on fourth down. Yes. If you I, saw the tweet, you would know. But
1: I didn't see the tweet, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm going to save you the 12 minutes of guessing. Jacoby Brissett. Wow. Yeah. I did not see that coming. So let's pump the brakes on Staley's changing the game. Um, The Raiders obviously have... I don't even know. I don't know how deep I want to go on this.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean...
0: Staley said a lot of great things this week about how it's his job as a coach to make people who are marginalized in society feel more included and welcome yeah and i think in his career gruden has done nothing but make people who are marginalized feel more marginalized and if he never coaches again that's too soon for me yeah that's how i am with it I, I think that makes sense uh guys like him and <laughs> dungy who famously called michael sam a distraction so maybe you two guys are yeah you know, if it's in his heart If it's not in his heart, he just made a mistake Let's forgive him, and then all the other stuff comes out Right Yeah. Um, Tariko says, well, I never saw it but He's not going to do it to you, Mike right. <laughs> You're a public figure You have a face, you have media power That's not how it works uh, Another guy with skeletons But anyway, uh, I digress Cowboys at Patriots We've talked about the defense We've talked about the passing game we got to get into the Cowboys run game because holy shit. Yep. Only the Titans have run the ball more on first down than the Cowboys. 101 to 99. The Cowboys, Cowboys average 5.7 yards per carry on first down. So they're averaging second and 4.3. You can get a lot done on second and fourth. Yep. You certainly can. The Eagles are tied with the Cowboys on that. So maybe the Eagles should do it more often, although not against the Buccaneers. Um, The Patriots ranked eighth in pass defense DVOA, 22nd in run defense DVOA. So that's one problem. Mac Jones completed one deep ball in 11 attempts against the Saints in week three. I did a tape piece on it. We discussed it at length. And it was just like, it was those Baker fourth quarter things where he's just, "Ah, I I don't know. Um, He completed one deep ball to the Saints. One deep ball to his own guy. Since then, he's attempted three deep passes with no completions and one interception. He will most certainly not want to try Dallas's offense with the deep ball. Dallas against throws with 20 or more air yards this season, eight completions on 22 attempts for 268 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and an opponent QBR of 60.4, fifth best in the league. Trevon Diggs, when defending such throws, two completions on five attempts for 64 yards. No touchdowns, one pick, and an opponent QBR of 47.9. Is that good?
1: That's pretty darn good.
0: Is it good for Mac Jones? Not good. And
1: the thing that's worrisome, if you're a Patriots fan of this game, I know there's been a lot of discussion about Trayvon Diggs and that he's given up separation. Guys are getting open against him, and, and quarterbacks are making bad throws. Well, I think, A, Diggs is so good at, like, recovering. Yeah. Like, he might give up somebody, like, a couple of steps. But when the ball is in the air, he closes incredibly well. And then you get Mac Jones, who right now does not have the like a plus fastball. He's still learning feel, learning how to throw with anticipation, learning how to take advantage of separation. You know, the week one throw, the crosser to Jacoby Myers, where he put air under it. Jason is able to recover. That combination digs in his recovery ability to get to the ball at the catch point. And Jones still feeling out those moments.
0: It's not a good combination for New England this week at all. I've seen well, my comp for Diggs when he came out of Alabama was Richard Sherman. Big, tall, lanky, yeah. long-limbed, um, ass kicker, good recovery speed. The one thing about Sherm, and this is this is true when he was the best cornerback in football, 2013, 2014. He will allow separation against smaller, speedier receivers. Right, cornerbacks. Jalen Ramsey will too. Guys like built like that will do that because, I, I mean, even Revis, who was a, a slight, not quite as big, <clears throat> Revis at his peak in man, he was the one guy I've seen who was a, maybe a slightly bigger cornerback and would not allow that. But those type of guys, that's that's what they do. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about that. Uh, and yeah, with Mac Jones, it's like I, it, it doesn't look like a good, a good
1: matchup for New England. No, it absolutely does not. Um, and you know, there was a story in WEI up in Boston this week about how the Dallas defense shouldn't scare anybody, shouldn't scare New England. Like,
0: I read that and I'm like, tell me you didn't watch the game without telling me that you didn't.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the other thing, look, from when Dallas has the football, we try to think of Bill Belichick, right, wants to take away what you do best. Okay, what are you going to take away? Because you've got Lamb and Cooper to contend with on the outside. You've got the two-headed running back monster of Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott who have been fantastic this year. Okay, maybe you can take one of those things away. You're still going to have to deal with the other. And by the way, Jarwin and Schultz have emerged as, like, legitimate receiving threats at the tight end position. So there's a lot to try to take away here if you're Bill Belichick. I don't know you how can you do throw,
0: it. So you can put heavy in there and force them into base. And yeah. then you can, you know, over the yep. top or whatever. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Judon is still a freak, though. He's Oh, freak. he's still a freak. Absolutely. <sighs> so good. <coughs> uh, Jaguars, uh, so Seahawks at Steelers. The Jaguars have that seven touchdown, zero interception split in man coverage, but that's all red zone, not explosive plays. The Steelers, oddly enough, against passes of 10 or more air yards in man coverage, have allowed 19 completions and 28 attempts for 445 yards. League guy four touchdowns and no interceptions. <clears throat> I don't expect that Geno Smith is going to tear that defense apart. And Seattle's defense is just a disaster everywhere. I'm not a fire your coaches guy, especially in season. I think Ken Norton has a lot of explaining to do. Um, they just released Trey Flowers, and Pete Carroll said, I hope he really, you know, finds himself somewhere else. And I think, yeah, I bet he will. Right. He'll right. go to someone like the Patriots who play a lot of man, and then all of a sudden yep. we'll be the next Shadow Awoozie. Um, you look at like when Mike McCarthy hired Mike Nolan as his first defensive coordinator with the Cowboys last year, and Nolan came in and had no understanding of how to play modern defense. I think with the Seahawks, I think with Washington. You have two guys in head coaches, Pete Carroll and Ron Rivera, defensive-minded coaches, and defensive coordinators in Ken Norton and Jack Del Rio. Well, they go way back, so it's kind of like the two old guys on the back porch smoking cigars and drinking whiskey and talking about how great it was in 1998. Um, There's very little multiplicity, very little in the way of opponent opponent adjustments, and I don't want to say they need to bring in young guys because Phil Snow is – really doing weird things to NFL defenses. Phil snow is 65. Yeah. He's literally, he was born in 1955. He is literally as old as rock and roll. And he is because he's learned from, you know, like, okay, I used to do this, but now I have to do that. And he had brought that into the NFL. Um, you know, I, I, do I think Ben could go off? Yes. Do I think the Seahawks are cooked with or without Russell? Absolutely. Do I think Washington has a chance to do anything with that defense? No. Do I think the problem is defensive coordinators who won't adjust and coaches who won't hold them accountable, at least publicly, at least in a way that shows up on the field? Is that the problem in both cases? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know they they need to figure things out in both of those secondaries. I mean, you watch Washington's, and they're it's almost like they're trying to be too complex. They're trying to complex their way out of it. Like, you know, the, the lawn touchdown that they gave up, you know, when you're running basically like a three invert where you've got, Landon well, the Collins. hail
0: married a Callaway where we didn't expect them to, we didn't, we thought he was going to run like a in-cut. What, what, what?
1: Well, they were in two man in that play. You think that that's the defense for an in-cut? Like, I don't, I, I don't get it. The the other lawn touchdown that I was talking about, where you've got Collins down in the box, then you spin him to the, the deep post safety and, That's not that rotation is probably not the best match for Landon Collins' (laughs) skill set because, to his credit, he opened to the three receiver, the three threat side. But once one goes under and the back stays at the block, you got to flip your eyes to the back side because you got to expect something's coming over my head. He does it extremely late. By then, it's too much too late. And so they're trying, it's like Washington, for example, I've watched Washington's defense this week much more than Seattle's. But it's like they're trying these things to scheme their way out of it complex wise. Don't like don't you're you're putting guys in a position that to fail.
0: Well, in Seattle's case, it's not that they're trying different things, it's that they're throwing different below average cornerbacks out there, and you know, ex, you yeah, know, yeah, Einstein's hey. definition of insanity. I right don't know what else to say. <clears throat> Let's move from those defenses to holy crap, the Buffalo Bills. Yep. Last time these two teams faced off was week five of the 2020 season. The Bills limited Derrick Henry to 57 yards on 19 carries, but Henry scored two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill completed 21 of 28 passes for 195 and three touchdowns. Titans won 42 to 16. Dr. Schofield, I do not anticipate a similar result. This Bill's defense is... They had the best defense by DVOA, the second best uh, going back to '83. Only the 2019 Patriots were better, and FO's opponent adjustments haven't completely kicked in yet. It's like 50. percent You remember the 2019 Patriots in the first few games where they were playing yep. man all the time against a lot of really bad quarterbacks. Devin McCourty, I think, in four the first four games, he had more interceptions than targets. Yep. So that was like wow. This Bills defense, and what did I just say about Davis Mills? Oh, they didn't play anybody. Well, it's not the the, the offenses they played that weren't that good. They didn't just beat them, they They freaking annihilated them. Yeah. I mean, and all of a sudden, Davis Mills looks like, you know, sub Russell Wilson with a really long Mike Lennon neck. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, This defense against the Chiefs, Mahomes put up his uh let's see the 70.9 percent pass 70.9 passer rating was the second lowest of his career behind the he put up in 2018 against the jags defense world's better than it is now his adjusted yards per pass against the bills was 4.11 the lowest he's ever posted uh through the first five weeks of the season against cover two two man cover four and cover six per sis mahomes has completed 38 of 61 passes for 522 yards 349 air yards one touchdown Four interceptions. Now, Mahomes has been the most efficient quarterback in the NFL, uh, both you know, short, intermediate, long in cover one. Now the Bills said, okay, fine, we'll play cover one rat, and we'll play cover one robber, and we'll play cover one sort of off with player as the off safety. He had that uh intermediate crosser. Um, trying remember who it was two. It wasn't Watkins, it was someone else. Poirier was playing it off like 10 yards and timed it perfectly to, to break up the pass. Yeah. So the bills are like, whatever you want to do, we have an answer because we can stop the run against light boxes. Now this is Derek Henry. So I would expect a lot more cover one. I'm not sure what Matt Milano and they did all this by the way, without Matt Milano, who was one of their two or three best defensive players. Yeah. The Bills have all the answers to the test and you move to their offense. Uh, Ollie Connolly, who, you know, you did a pod with him. Love yep. Ollie. Great piece on his sub, sub stack this week about uh, Chris Perron, our fearless leader texted to me yesterday, uh, how the Bills offense and why the Bills offense went from vanilla to 31 flavors, pretty much overnight against the chiefs. It was, you know, spread, 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 not a lot of motion, not a lot of play action. They got a little more intricate weeks three and four, and then against the Chiefs, it was like compressed formations, different route concepts, heavy personnel, like fullbacks. Josh Allen is running counter bash. Yeah. Um. Uh, your thoughts on the Bills? My thoughts on the Bills are is basically uh, see you in LA in February.
1: I mean, that's how it looks right now. That's how it looks right now. They look like the most complete team in football on the defensive side of the ball. Like you said, they have the answers to all the te- the questions on the test. They can do the magical thing, which is get pressure with four, you know, the, the front that they have right now, Rousseau's emergence as a a pass rusher, his hand usage, his placement and all that stuff.
0: And mush rushing Mahomes and then having the the wherewithal to know when to bat it. That was like a JJ Watts seven years in the NFL kind of play.
1: Yeah. So they have all the answers on defense. They can... Kill you a bunch of different ways on offense. The emergence of Dawson Dawson Knox as a threat in the passing game has been huge, and it's a great example of listen to teams during draft and free agency season. You know, because everybody was saying they need to address tight end, they need to address tight end, they need to address tight end. They didn't. This is why. The the growth and emergence of Dawson Knox now, and so they can go ten, they can go eleven, they can go twenty one. They can beat you different ways. You know, it's the same thing on the offensive side of the ball. They have all the answers to the questions. It's just which way which way do they want to beat you? And right now, here in mid October, they look like the most complete team in football. That can certainly change. I remember a couple of years ago when the Patriots looked like the most complete team in football, and then they stopped playing quarterbacks like Luke Falk and, and Sam Darnold and the rest. And things fell apart. So well, also Tom Brady didn't have Stefan Diggs. That too. So things can change, but right now it's book your Bill's Mafia, start you know, shopping for tables out in LA because you're gonna need them.
0: Yeah. Um, and they don't, you know, they're not a, a high power running team but they have Josh Allen, who's built yeah. like Cam Newton and kind of runs like Cam Newton. Yeah,
1: and the thing is, look, if if you're going to do the too high stuff to try to force teams to throw, I mean, to force teams to run, play with the light boxes, one of the things offenses can do is get the quarterback involved in the run game, right? That's Josh Allen. You can do that with him. It's not, it's not a situation where it's like a quarterback you can't run the football with. You can get him involved. That's why you're doing things like counter bash with Josh Allen to get them out of those too high looks. Now he can throw against single high or against man or whatever.
0: I want to, while we're talking look up Josh Allen against single high this year because now I'm interested in that. Bills. Josh Allen against single high, 47 of 84 for 730, 518 air yards, five touchdowns, one interception. Not huge. That's pretty good. Yep. It's a good night. Yeah, it's good enough. It's pretty good. And yeah, if you run too high, he's just gonna. Yeah, there's something else. Yep. And it's not, it's not like one of those two or three week things. No,
1: I don't think so. I, this, I think this is largely sustainable. And, you know, I, I I like to often think about how many different ways can a team win a football game? They have multiple pathways to win each game. You know, it's not like some other teams where you got to do it this way. That's the only way you can win. You got to do it this other way. It's the only way you can win. Buffalo can win in shootouts. Their defense is good enough. They can win in rock fights. They can win through the air. They can win on the ground in a variety of ways. They can win
0: thrown to receivers. They can win thrown to tight ends. They can can win not blitzing Patrick Mahomes once. Yeah. He didn't blitz him once. Yeah. Which is pretty much what they did last year. So, yeah. That's that's a dangerous team. All right, Mark. uh, That's all I have. Any other thoughts from you? Nothing
1: else for me. I, I think I'm going to dive into some Will Leavis tape this afternoon. Oh my! How about goodness. that, Woo-hoo. maybe I'll maybe I'll put some mayo in my coffee. Oh. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, that's that's. Not Shout out I mean. to
1: Alyssa Lain, though. That's that's not good it. for her. I thought.
0: I mean, pumpkin spice is bad enough. That's...
1: But yeah, I mean, Alyssa Low eating eating the banana peel on the sidelines, now drinking the mayo coffee. When she gets a show on the
0: Food Network, I'm going to watch. There you go. No, I'm going to. I guess watch the Bengals offense and get all pissed off. There you go. Get ready to get angry. Awesome. Yep. Uh, I, like it. I like it. All right. Thanks, man. Great stuff as always. We'll talk next week. Sounds good, my friend.